All right, we're in the last sermon on the end of the world as you know it, and we have uh, answered a lot of questions. Questions are still coming in, and we're trying to respond to those as quickly as we can. If your question didn't get answered, resend it, send it again, and uh, we'll try to get the word out to you. A lot of you have written in asking for the notes. We're happy to give you the notes. We're going to stay in the sermon series today, but i got to tell you that for the last four weeks, we've been talking about a very, very serious topic. As a matter of fact, what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, in my opinion, is the most serious topic anybody can talk about, and that's eternity. There's nothing more important than eternity. And there's some of you sitting right here this morning in this service, and you're worried about money, and I get it. I've been worried about money, too, in my life. And you're worried about your kids. I totally get that. And you're worried about your job, and you're worried about situations in the world, and all of that's so important. But I'm telling you, I want you to think about eternity. You know, you know that's why the church exists, to get you to think about eternity? There are any other organizations in the world that have the job of getting you to think about your eternity other than the church. That's why the church is here. And sadly, a lot of churches don't even encourage people to think about eternity. But this one does. Because one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account. And I don't want you to look at Jesus and say, but my pastor never told me. I mean, it was sort of a difficult topic and a touchy subject, so I went to one of those churches that didn't want to talk about anything that might offend somebody. I don't want you to stand before God and say that. I want you to say, you know, the bridge was a loving church, a caring church, but they gave it to us straight. And so I stand before you here today, Lord, and my heart is right, and I'm ready. Isn't that the most important thing? So, you know, the first thing about eternity is where are you going to spend it? I mean, you've got to deal with that. Where are you going to spend eternity? Where are you in your walk with God? Where are you in your relationship with God? Have you come to Jesus? Have you, have you bowed before Jesus? Have you said, Jesus, I want to give you my life. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead to give me life. You paid my debt for sin. I want to give the rest of my life to you. I give myself to you. Have you said that to him? Do it today. Do it today. And then the second question we have in our mind, once we've answered the question of where we're going to spend eternity, the second question is, where's my family going to spend eternity? The people I work with, where will they spend eternity? What are they, what's it going to be like for them when the rapture happens? What's it going to be like for them if they miss the rapture and they're here in the tribulation period? And, and what if the end of the seven years comes and they have, they have vowed to, to follow the Antichrist and give their life to the Antichrist? What, you know, I, I got to think about my family. I got to think about my friends. You know, the holidays are right around the corner. Isn't that crazy? Seems like we just got through them and here y'all are buying gifts for me again. And... Uh, um, Bojangles gift cards and just trying to help you all out and uh, Starbucks stuff. So just thought I'd throw that out there. The Bible says you have not because you, amen, amen. So 
So, you know, we, we think about our family. Where are my kids? What's going to happen to my kids? And so we, we, need, to, we need to develop um, our spiritual lives in the sense of sharing with others what Jesus has done in us. And I got to tell you, that right there, that topic right there is difficult for people. It's hard. You know, we're like, well, let's get them to church, and that's great. We want you. What's our little hashtag we put on Facebook all the time? Be a bringer. Be a bringer. We want you to bring people. Hashtag be a bringer. And a lot of you have brought your friends, you've brought guests. We have guests today as I was walking through the church this morning. I just ran into new family after new family after new family. Can we give it up for the people who are visiting today? And they're our guests. You're our special guest today. And you got your, uh, you got your Connect card and you're going to walk out there after the service and hand it to uh, the ladies at the VIP and they're going to give you an 8 by 10 glossy of me. And here's the pose. No, it's not true. It's not true. You're going to get something a lot better than that. So hang on and you, you guessed and pick up your gift on the way out. Um, you know, we, we worry. We have concern. We, I, I've done it. You've probably, I've lost sleep over people who I love, and I'm not sure where they are with God. And, and I want them to come to Christ and I invite them to church and I want them to be in church and all of that. But what if God wants to use me to be a messenger to them? See, every one of you are a messenger. Every one of you who know Christ as your personal Savior, you're an ambassador. You represent. First you represent him, then you represent the bridge, you represent the body of Christ. And everybody in here has a responsibility when that door opens to share. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk to you about an easy way to share the gospel. I'm going to talk to you about an easy way to share with people who Jesus Christ is. Here's what I want us to do today, and I was looking on your card. I don't think you have any room there on your card uh, to do this. So if you've got an extra piece of paper or whatever... And, um, just grab that. I want you to make a list while I'm preaching. And I want you to make a list after this service is over today and you go home. I want you to make a list of people you're going to at least start to pray for them to come to know Christ. So that's your first prayer. Father, we, I just pray that, let's say your friend's name is Bob. I just pray that Bob will get a chance to hear about you over and over and over. And so you're, you're praying for Bob to come to Jesus or you're praying for Jane to come to Jesus or whoever your friend is, maybe your family member, you're one of your kids. And then your second part of your prayer on that prayer list is, God, use me. Use me. I make myself available. If you would have me to say something to them, I make myself available. God, use me. Speak through me. And I'm going to talk to you today about an easy way. Now, here, here's the easy thing we're going to talk about today. We're going to memorize like 110 scriptures so you'll be ready. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. How many of y'all been to soul winning classes, evangelism classes through the years, and you had to memorize this and memorize And that's fine, and I'm not talking against those things. But I think if I ask you how many times you would ever really use that, I probably would get a real low number. 
Because really witnessing and telling other people about Jesus, if you can make that a conversation, rather than looking at somebody who doesn't know Jesus and go, hey man, uh, here's what you need to do. Here's where you are and here's what you need to do. Because when you talk to people like that, they will shut down on you. Hey man, hey listen, let me just begin with this. You are pretty much going to hell when you die. So I got some stuff I want to share with you. How many of you know that guy's going to go, I'm gone, I'm out of here? Yeah. So you're going to talk to him about life. You're going to talk to him about his life. You're going to talk to him about your life. So let's talk about it a little bit. Make a list of people you know who you're not sure if they know Jesus. You're not their judge, but, but it doesn't look like it. You know, Jesus did say that you can tell what kind of tree a tree is by the what? Fruit on that tree. So, you know, you haven't seen a lot of fruit, and uh, you're not judging anybody, but you, you kind of think he probably doesn't know the Lord, so just put his name down there and put her name down there. Family, neighbors, colleagues, people you work with. You know, I think about our American missions. Pray for them. Pray for them as they go in different places in America and share the gospel and pray for our foreign missions. We have a very strong foreign missions ministry here at the bridge uh, led by Keith Combs and his team. And we just appreciate what they do. And we support many, many missionaries and we support many, many national missionaries in America, not in our community. And then we support a lot of ministries in our community. In our community. I'm telling you, our our missions budget is huge. A huge part of our budget goes outside of this church. And I think that's as it should be, don't you? Because we don't want to be an inward-focused church, do we? We want to be an outward-focused church. Because here's the thing that happens. When you're an outward-focused church and not an inward-focused church, guess what happens? When God sees you reaching out, he pours in. He pours in. Selfishness never got anybody anywhere. That goes for individuals and it goes for churches. It goes for organizations and we want to be an outward church. So pray for these people. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for people in your life that you come in contact with. Pray for opportunities to, to, to share with them. So what we're going to talk about today is how to prepare for that, how to get ready to share Christ with them. Now here it is. The most effective way to share Christ with unbelievers is to tell them your story. Tell them your story. Now, I've been in church all my life. I was born uh, to a Christian mom, and my dad wasn't a Christian at that time, but became a Christian later. I was born to a Christian mom, had me in church from day one, so we used to have what we called services where people would jump up and talk about and they'd say, I want to just thank God. What did we call those services? Testimony. How many of y'all been in testimony service? Yeah, yeah, got some old school people here. So, um, you know, I remember when I was a teenager and my dad would go, we're going to have a testimony service. And uh, so just pop up and give your testimony. And there were people who, as the minute they stood up, all the teenagers went, oh, we're going to be here for a month. How many of y'all remember that too? You know, old brother so-and-so, if he ever stood up, it was over. You know, nobody else could give their testimony. So um, we're going to talk about preparing yourself to give a testimony. Everything starts with a story. Everything starts with a story. If you're a Christian, you have a story. 
And your story has the potential to change somebody's life for eternity. Your story. Your story. When uh, Brandon and Mitch were little, um, put them to bed, and a lot of times they would say what all kids say when you put them to bed. Before you turn off the light and before you leave, please tell me a story. So I would tell them stories, and uh, I would read to them about David and Goliath, and I don't know if you remember that story and how it ends, but I would look at them, you know, and go, and then David cut off Goliath's head and claimed victory for the Lord, and I'd say, good night, boy, sweet dreams. <laughs> I'm going off to bed. Kids like stories, don't they? I remember Mitch would say to me, uh, and not even, I mean, even after he grew up, he would say, Dad, your favorite sermons to me are when you tell a Bible story and you preach through that Bible story. And so we love stories, and stories hold our attention. You know, I can be up here preaching, and I can be breaking a verse down and all of that, and you're kind of going, okay, okay, okay. And then I go, well, let me just tell you a story about that thought right there. And the minute I say that, everybody's head comes up. Because we love stories. We love to hear about stories. And the thing I want you to understand today is that you have one. You have one. You say, well, I haven't really committed my life to Jesus yet. I'm, I've been thinking about it. I've been listening. I've been trying to figure it out. Well, you know what? You can make that commitment to him today, and your story can begin today. Your story can begin in this service. Here's what your story is. Here's your story. My life before I met Jesus, the day I met Jesus, and what my life has been like since I met Jesus. That's your story. That's it. Really, three little categories. Talk about, you know, uh, how it was not knowing him and how it was not having him in your life. Talk about the day you met him and how you made the decision to follow him. And from that day on, has it been a bed of roses? No. Has it been easy? No. Have there been struggles? Yes. But you talk about how there's a peace that passes understanding, how you never go through things alone because he's there, and not only is he there, but the church you go to, all those people are there. They're for you. And you talk about the joy and the contentment and the happiness you feel since you've come to Jesus, even though, yes, there are still struggles in our life. We all love stories. We watch TV. We, we go to movies. We read books. Everyone loves stories. And I want you to leave here today with it in your mind that I have a powerful story. Matter of fact, can you say that with me? I have a powerful story. Now, some of you are thinking God's going to have to show it to me because I really don't see it. I think my life is very, very boring. But if you will ask God to help you see your story, he will. I, I've got a story. I was, I was uh, saved when I was seven years old. Remember I told you all I was born to a Christian mom, and boy, it was church from day one, and I understood that Jesus died on the cross for me. I heard it over and over and over and over, and I understood he rose from the dead to give me life, and I understood that I needed him in my life. And I remember at age seven, I'm not saying all kids can do it at seven years old, but I came to him at seven years old. You say, well, what was your life before Jesus? I was strung out on Skittles and <laughs> Lifesavers and sugar. I couldn't get an, and then Jesus helped me, so. I got a story. 
the bridge feels so strongly about you having a story that on our website, there is a place for you to go and tell your story. And I had people already walk up to me this morning from the Thursday night service at our Goldsboro campus, and they said, Pastor, I've been working on my story. Man, you, uh, one lady said to me right before I walked out here, he said, man, you inspired me Thursday night. I'm working on my story. I've been working on it. Beautiful. Well, here's, here's how you get to that place on the website. You know, our website is bridgechurch.cc. And then at the top, you're going to see a tab that says giving life. And under that tab that says giving life, it's going to say share your story. And you click on that. Here's what I'd do if I were you. I would just kind of get over in a Word document or something like that. I don't know about y'all. I, I write everything on the computer these days. Because when I write by hand on something, it looks like I wrote it in tongues. Anybody with me on that? You, you, you know, your handwriting looks like that. And you'll go back to read it, and you're like, what is that? And you don't know what that is. And you're like, Holy Spirit, bring the interpretation, because you can't write. And so, so it, you know, go to the computer, or get out that yellow pad, and get a pen, and just work on it some, work on it some, and, and we're going to talk about how to work on it, and then put it on the Your Story on the website, and we're going to use your story, if you'll let us. We're going to tell your story. We'll get your permission. If you're not, if you're not uh, comfortable with that, uh, we, won't, we won't use it. Or, and here's what we've done. We've had some people who weren't really comfortable telling their story, but they said, if you'll leave my name out, I'd like for people to know what my life was like before Jesus and how I met Jesus and what it's like now. So we, we'll ask you. We'll get your permission on that. But listen, there are people sitting here this morning who need your story. See, they're there right now where you were. And they don't feel a lot of hope. And they're looking at me up here going, you've been knowing Jesus since you're seven. You can't help me. You can't help me. I, I'm addicted to drugs or I, I, I've done this sin and I've committed this. And you can't help me, Pastor. And I, and I understand that. I understand that. I, I think the gospel the teaching of the scriptures helps everybody. But I understand where you're coming from. I remember Mitch, uh, before he passed away, he would often say, you don't, you don't understand, Daddy. And he was right, because I'd never been where he was. But he would listen to people who had been there. And some of you have been where people are now. And me reading John 3.16 to them is not going to have a lot of impact yet. It will, but it won't yet. But when you say to them, I was here, I met Jesus, and now I'm here. And and they hear that. They go, man, really? I mean, I thought I was the only one who lived like that. I was thought I was the only one who had those issues, had those temptations. I thought I was the only one who had been that deep in sin. And you're telling me you were right there too, and you got a beautiful family and a beautiful life, and, and nothing's perfect, of course, as long as we live down here, but, but you've got a peace and a smile and a joy that the world doesn't offer. Really? You got that from Jesus? Yes. I did. And then they have hope. They have hope. And then when pastor gets up here and talks about John 3.16 and talks about the scriptures, they go, I can receive that now. Does that make sense? So, so see, you're as much a part of getting the word out about Christ as I am. It's, it, it, 
it's not, there's not one preacher in this church. There's not one teacher in this church. We are the body of Christ. And what did the body of Christ do when he was here in his body? The body of Christ went around doing good. The Bible says Jesus went around doing good and teaching. And, te- and what did Jesus do? Told stories over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, Jesus was the greatest teacher ever. Look at uh, Matthew 13, 34, and uh, notice the yellow especially. Jesus, how often? Always used what? And what? Like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never, look, there's a superlative, always, and what? Never spoke to them without using such parables. So we got stories. And who used them? Jesus. How many of y'all think Jesus is a pretty good example for us? So Jesus always used stories, and here's another word, he used illustrations and, which is really, they're, they're synonyms. They mean pretty much the same thing. He used them always, and he never spoke to people without using them. There are more than 30 parables, stories in the New Testament, and more than 250 in the entire Bible. Jesus is our example. Now, we're going to repeat something today over and over again, so let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to tell you right now, so, you know, we're being watched. The people online are watching, and so you don't want to drop the ball on this. I'm going to say something, then you're going to repeat it. And, you know, sometimes when I say something and tell you to repeat, it's kind of weak the first time, and then we have to do it over again. So we're not going to do that today. We're going to pop it the first time. So everybody repeat after me. I have a story. God gave it to me. And he expects me to tell it. All right now, don't forget that. We're going to say it some more. Number one, write this down in your notes. Number one, and I already said this, write your story down. Write it down. Computer screen, paper. Some of y'all might be real old school. You're going to use a hammer and chisel, put it in a rock, Whatever. Sit down in front of that computer screen. Sit down in front of that, in front of that paper with that pen and develop your story. Now, now, look, here's what I'd do if I were you when I first started writing my story. Here's what I'd do. I'd just write. I wouldn't worry about capital word, capitalization of the right words. I wouldn't worry about periods at the end of the sentence. I, I'd just write whatever God gave me, and I'd just keep writing, get in the flow, and write and write. And then when you get through writing, I want you to take my word for something. It's going to be way too long. And if you try to tell that story, they're going to check out on you. How many of y'all know people check out after about the first five minutes? They're gone. They're out of here. That's why we try to make our video clips no longer than five minutes. The only thing that we know you guys will stick with longer than five minutes is awesome preaching. (laughs) And one day we're going to get us an awesome preacher. All right? So... So, so what you're going to want to do is just write, write, write. If it's 10 pages, 15 pages, it doesn't matter. Just write, 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 write. Then you want to go back and develop it. You want to go back and think about, well, that's really important to me, but I'm not real sure it's going to be important to the hearer. So, you know, you're going to want to kind of strike through that, and you're going to want to whittle it down and define it and think it through and make it better and better and better, and you're praying as you're going through this process, and 
You're asking the Holy Spirit to guide you. Hey, you know what I'm preaching on is really, really important because you have a story. God gave it to you, and he wants you to tell it. This is really important. See, a lot of you are listening to me right now going, I think about it. I don't know if this is something God really wants me to do. Oh, no, he's already said in his word he really wants you to do this. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And one of the best ways to preach the gospel is say, let me tell you what the gospel did for me. Guy comes to my door knocking on it, asking me to buy a vacuum cleaner. My first question to him is this. You got one? No, I don't have one. I'll talk to you after you've had one three or four years. You know, I want to know what Jesus has done for you. Don't, don't start preaching to me and telling me how bad I am and how much I need God and I need to get in church. And, hey, you tell me what. You tell me what he's done for you. Doesn't this make sense? See how powerful that is? You begin to tell what he's done for you. You go from general feelings to really specific impressions and how your life was like this and you use very descriptive words and you talk about how your life is not like that anymore. You use very descriptive negative words to talk about what your life was like and very descriptive positive words to talk about how he's changed you. And when I say your story again, I'm talking about your encounter with God and how it changed your life. Um, one of the really important uh, ministries we have here at the bridge is our small group ministry. How many of you are in a life group here at the church? You're in a life group. Well, we want really all of you to be in a life group. And it takes time, and you say, well, I've submitted my name, and I didn't get a call back. Hey, listen, can I tell you something? Can I just tell you to have mercy on us? Our church is growing, man. Do you realize this summer we hit almost 2,000 on two Sundays this summer? And we don't usually do that. Amen. We, that's right. Praise God. Because numbers are people. You know, it's always funny to me. People go, I don't care about numbers. I do. Numbers are people, and we're in the people business. So when I look at that in the 1st of August, we had 1,800 and almost 1,900 people. I'm excited about that because what that tells me is that in the fall, we're going to have 2,000. And in the winter, we might have 2,200. People, that's what God's into is people. And I'm not saying Little churches don't have impact. They do. We've been a little church. If you guys who are new to us want to know where we started, when you drive back out to 70 today, just look across the road at that little brick church. That's where we were when I came in 1990, head full of hair, 32-inch waistline. <laughs> Y'all see some old pictures of me on Facebook this week? Looking good. I look like Ron Burgundy. Some of y'all don't know who that is, but you'll go home and look it up. But anyway, so we started out 69 people the very first Sunday, and we just started loving people, loving people, loving on people, because we knew we were in the people business, and here we are today. And, and here's my whole point. I kind of got off track right there. When you, say, when you sign up for something or you let us know I'm interested in something and you don't get a call back, just go, you know what? Thank God that our staff is so busy 
with the development and growth of our church. They couldn't get right back with me, so I'm going to just hit them up again. I'm going to keep ringing that bell. I'm going to keep leaving voicemails because I want to get in a life group or I want to volunteer for this. I want to get in this ministry because I'll have people coming to me once in, once in a while and they'll say, I signed up for that. Nobody, hey, hey, listen, we're all in this thing together. And so if you don't get a call back, come on, man, have some mercy. Call us back. We'll get you hooked up. But right now we're looking for life group leaders, and we're looking for a people who have a home that would be conducive to a life group meeting in your home. Maybe you don't want to be the leader, but you say, I'll open my home up. And, and, and so what we do, I, let me tell you about our life groups real quick. They're, they're made up of four components. Welcome, worship, word, and works. Welcome involves food. Hallelujah. Come on in the house, have some wings, amen, have some celery and blue cheese dressing. Mm, I love that. Do y'all love that? Especially if it's got wings with it. And so come on in and grab a Coke and, you know, let's just get to know each other. We're happy you're here. And then we have a little fellowship, food, and then we have worship. And uh, that's just a time of prayer and we might play a song in the background. Nobody's going to ask you to lead in prayer. No, you're not going to get embarrassed at one of these meetings. I know there are men sitting here right now going, you ain't going to ask me to pray, are you? No, no, we're not. Not right off, but you'll probably want to later as you grow in the Lord. And then, and then we have worship. We have a welcome, food, worship, word, and then that's teaching. And sometimes it's a, a live teacher just going through the scriptures, teaching. And sometimes it's a DVD-driven Bible study. Uh, but it's really, really good. And then we talk about, each group talks about who they're going to bless, who they're going to serve. And so they plug in with Pastor Jimmy sometimes, and they'll go down to the soup kitchen. So that's what our life groups are like. And uh, they're not real heavy, you know. It's just uh, everybody kind of working together to grow in the Lord. I need you, man. I need you guys in my life to help me grow in the Lord. And you need me, and we need each other. And, you know, we don't have old school Sunday school anymore because it kind of didn't work anymore. But we know we need settings where people can get together in small groups and share their prayer requests. And so, so the reason I bring that up is that life groups would be a great place to practice telling your story. So I want to just challenge all my life group leaders out there to, to work this in and maybe say, you know what, next week, um, Bob, you're going to share your, I'm picking on Bob today, aren't I? Bob, you're going to share your story, or Bill, or Susie, or Jane, you're going to share your story. So are you ready? And we won't, we, you won't be forced to do it if you're not ready, so let us know when you're ready. And then you share your story with a bunch of people who are with you, a bunch of people who are pulling for you. A bunch of people who aren't going to go, what? Say what? You know, they're not going to embarrass you or go, that doesn't make any sense. So you, you get to practice telling your story and refine it and make it better so that when you do get a chance to say it to an unbeliever that you got, you're ready to go. Let me tell you what I do with my sermon sometimes. Sometimes I'll have a sermon, just like these end time sermons where there's a lot of scripture and there's a lot of kind of deep stuff and all of that. Millie will just go away on Thursday, and I will go in the bedroom and put out my pulpit. Some people call it an ironing board. And I'll put that out, and I'll put my Bible and my notes on there, and I will stand in my bedroom and preach that sermon. 
because I want, I want to know how this piece is going to flow into that piece and how that's going to segue into that so that when I get up in front of you to talk, it's not choppy and you're not out there bored to death and nervous for me because you're like, man, he's ain't got it today. Now, some days I'm not going to have it no matter how hard I practice. I mean, that's just life, isn't it? So, so I can't hit a home run every time, but I would like to hit a triple every time at least. Who's with me out there? Because y'all are going, yeah, if you don't do that, I'm, I'm bored. You know, so, so I practice. I'm telling you, you need to practice telling your story. And you can practice on people in your life group. If you're not in a life group, just find another person, a Christian, who's a friend of yours and say, hey, can we meet at my house for coffee? Let me just share my story with you. And then let your friend give you good feedback and go, you know, that's probably a part right there that's maybe a little special to you, but I think if you take that out, it's going to shorten your story some and really make it more powerful. Let them have feedback in your life. You know, don't get mad at them and leave the church or something. So everybody repeat after me. I have a story. God gave it to me. And he expects me to tell it. All right, number two, look and listen for what? Opportunities to share your story. Look and listen. Now, y'all remember the other week I talked about, you know, that we're kind of like transformers when we get up in the morning. You know, some of my joints are rusty. But, you know, I talked about those radar go up. Well, this is one of those times when your spiritual radar goes up and you go, you go, you know, I've wrote it down, I've rewritten it, I've defined it, I've told it to some of my friends, I've got it ready, I think I'm ready to go. So now, God, I want you to help me see and hear opportunities to share my story. You got your radar up, the door opens, and you're ready to share it. If you listen to people, two things. If you will listen to people, and if you will genuinely care about people, you're going to get a chance to share your story with people who want to hear it. But you've got to be, you've got to be a person who is not just a talker, but a listener. And people have to pick up from you that you really care about them. That they're not just a number, a notch on your belt. You know, got that one saved. Mark them down. Next. You know, that you care about them. And a lot of times before you ever get to share Jesus, you have to do a lot of listening to them talk to you about their pain and their hurting. And, and, and you're going to feel that flesh and you go, talk now. And you go, no, it's not time to talk. So I'm just asking questions. So then how did that make you feel? Well, I'll tell you how that made me feel. It made me feel like people don't care. Man, I know that hurt. And you listen and, and it's not fake, but you become, they become convinced that, hey, this person is the first person who's ever really listened to me. And then they're going to look at you and go, you know, you seem to have a joyful heart and you seem to have peace and I know what's going on with your kids and I know what's going on, you just got laid off your job, or, but you don't seem like you're down and Beat up, why is that? Oh, when that comes, booyah, that story comes out. And then you kind of look at them and go, hey, well, do you mind if I tell you my story? Thank you for saying those things. Do you mind if I tell you kind of where that joy came from and where the peace came from and how I'm able to still laugh and smile? Oh, yeah, I'd love to hear that because I can't laugh or smile. So tell me how you're able to still do that with all the 
crud that's going on in your life. And so then you tell your story. And sometimes you're going to have five minutes to tell it. And sometimes you're going to have two and a half minutes. And sometimes you're going to have like 90 seconds to tell it. So you need to kind of work out three different versions of your story. I mean, you might be on an elevator somewhere on a business trip and the door just opens wide open on that elevator. You can't do your five-minute one then. You got to do your 90-second story. Amen? Y'all ready? Here's what I'm talking about. The Bible says, be ye also. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me one time I was preaching on the prophet Jeremiah. And I said, Jeremiah was a, and I thought everybody was going to say prophet, and they said bullfrog. <laughs> I knew then I had a lot of work ahead of me, buddy. So, so there's the deal, guys. There's the deal. Uh, um, so what was the blank I needed? He said, be also. Do y'all remember now? Be also ready. Be ready. He said, because there's going to come a time when you don't know that you're going to be called on to tell your story. So be ready. So that's what we're talking about here. So look and listen. Look at Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. I love this because it is so practical. The Bible is so practical. Everybody thinks the Bible is this book. This out there and you got to have all kind of spirit. Look, the Bible's so practical. Look what it says right here. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Live among those who are That means, let me give you the Greek word for that. Don't be weird. Amen? How many of y'all met some weird Christians? I've been saved since I was seven years old. I meet Christians all the time that I go, I can hear playing in the background. Stop being like that. You know, the propitiation of the blood of the Lamb of God. <laughs> Live wisely among those who are and make the most of every, there it is, let your, the way you talk. But you know what? That word means more than the way you talk. It means your lifestyle. How many of you know you communicate sometimes clearer when you're not talking? When somebody else is talking and you're giving them eye contact, that says more to them than when you're just talking sometimes. When somebody's pouring their heart out to you and you give them your full attention and direct eye contact, what does that say to them? He cares about me. He loves me. He wants to hear what I've got to say. You ever talk to people when they're shaking your hand, they're really looking past you going, I wonder if there's anybody more important than this guy that I can be shaking. Don't do that to people. I know I do that sometimes, but it's because I see Millie coming. I think she's going to get on me about something. <laughs> live, <laughs> live wisely among those, this is so important, who are what? Not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your lifestyle and the way you talk Listen to this. Listen to this. Don't be, don't be judgmental. Don't be, man, I've been waiting for this opportunity to tell you some stuff. Let it be. That means full of grace. Full of grace. Let your conversation, your lifestyle, your words to people who are be and attractive. Yeah, I'm, I'm running into Christians sometimes 
who they think the more people they tick off, the better Christian they are. Yeah, buddy, I make them mad when I tell them about Jesus. I make them, they don't talk to me no more. Please go to church somewhere else. I will give you a list of churches, and this one won't be on it. I don't want people like that in my church. I want folks in the bridge when they're talking to people who are, I want them to be, I want them to be, so that you will have a right response from them for everyone. You want a right response for them, and you want a right response from them. And the Bible says when you talk about God, Jesus, the Bible, don't get up on your high horse, your spiritual, please, ah, I get, it makes me want to gag. Be gracious, be attractive. Is that in the Bible right there? Yes, it is. Number three, define and defeat your fears. Define and defeat your fears. I got like two minutes to give you this one. So what are the major fears when you're witnessing to somebody? Let's look at them. The major fears when you're witnessing to somebody, number one, is the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 and 25, the fear of man is a what? Dangerous trap. But to trust in God means? So God's going to cover you. And here's one of the reasons he's going to cover you. You've obeyed him. You're speaking graciously. You're speaking attractively. You're not being weird toward unbelievers. You're being wise toward unbelievers. You've worked on your story. You've refined your story. You've practiced your story. And so God is going to cover you, and, and you don't have to fear rejection. You say, well, I might be rejected. People might not like it. Oh, I guarantee you that's going to happen. Listen, I get rejected on Sunday morning. I preach stuff. And I'll walk out in the foyer and somebody will walk right up to me and go, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. Hey, I know how that feels. They're wrong, but I know how it feels. And so you're going to get rejected. But here's the deal. When you're walking in him, you feel a sense of safety even though they've rejected you. You want to get there in your walk with God. So rejection, and God will help you get over that fear of rejection. Look at the next one. Not only the fear of rejection, go to the next slide, but the fear of, they're going to ask me something I don't know. See, this is what we fear when we're witnessing. They're going to not like what I say, or they're going to ask me something I don't know. They're going to ask me a Bible question. And look, you're going to talk to some people about the Lord, and they're going to be Bible scholars. Now, they wouldn't know God if he walked in a room with a big green hat on that said God on the front. They wouldn't recognize it. But they've read the Bible, and they think they found some loopholes. And they're going to come to you and go, well, I'm asking you now about Nahum and Habakkuk. And you're going to go, I don't believe I know those guys. Or they're going to come to you and go, where did Cain get his wife? Have you ever heard that one? Here's the answer to that. Just tell him he met her at a singles meeting. <laughs> and they'll look at you perplexed and then just move on. While they're standing there like that, just start talking about Jesus. So, so you're fearful of ignorance. You're afraid they're going to ask you something you don't know. Here's all you got to do. That is so simple to deal with. That right there is so simple. 
You say, man, i got to take some Bible classes. I need to go to Bible college. I, I need to, no, 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 no. Listen to this. Here's I want you to understand this. You do not have to have all the right answers before you can tell your story. Here, let me give you an example. John chapter 9, there's this blind guy. And Jesus and his disciples come up on this blind guy. And uh, Jesus heals this blind guy, makes him able to see. Never seen, never seen from, his, from the time of his birth. Doesn't know what anything looked like. And the first thing he sees is the face of Jesus. Is that not cool? And so when he sees Jesus, and man, he's happy. And the Bible says all the unsaved theologians. How many of you know there are some unsaved theologians in this world? They all come running up to this blind guy, and they go, who is he? Who has such power to do great miracles? And they were just asking to see, uh, uh, what do you say about this man? And where does he come from? And what is his lineage? And who is his family? And who do you believe he is? And that guy says this. Oh, whoa, whoa. Time out, my version. Time out. All I know is I was blind, and now I see. So when people pull that garbage on you, just look at them and go, man, I don't know. I don't know about that. I'd have to study that or I'd have to ask Pastor Farrell that. and I don't think he knows either. <laughs> but I, I know this. Before I met Jesus, I was like this. And then I met Jesus. And since I met Jesus, life is like this. I, I don't know all your Bible questions. I don't know all your theology. I don't know how to answer stuff. You're saying words I don't even know, sir. And I know you must have read the Bible a lot more than me. But I know the author. I know the author. He's in my heart. And he's changed my life. And then you tell them your story. Amen? How powerful is that? Very, very powerful. So let's just close with these thoughts. If you let your fears paralyze you, you'll sit on your story and you won't tell it. If that happens, then there are people who are hurting, people who need to hear your story, who will go on in their pain because you gave in to your fears. There's someone in pain who needs to know that they're not alone in this world. There's someone who's suffering under the same pile of pain you're suffering under this morning. You've been delivered from it. They need to hear you say, hey, bro, there's a way out, man. There's a way out. I used to be in that bondage. I know this because God got me out of that same exact situation you're dealing with. I used to be under the same thing you're under, but now because of God's help, I'm not under it anymore. I'm on top of it. And they'll go, tell me. You need to understand there's somebody in your world, in your sphere of influence, who's lonely and hopeless. They need to hear your story. There's someone who's lived their whole life without God. They need to hear about your relationship with God and how it changed you. There's someone caught in a lifestyle of sin and darkness. and They need to hear you say, I used to be there, but Jesus set me free. Your story will point them to God better than my preaching. Matter of fact, they're not even going to come hear my preaching. But they'll hear your story. Your story will reveal to them the power of God to change their lives now and for eternity. Who's going to be helped because you said, I'll tell my story. 
Who's going to be healed because you said, I'll tell my story? Who's going to experience the forgiveness of God because you said, I'll tell my story? Listen to this one. Who's going to miss hell and gain heaven because you told your story? This is serious. It's not something we get to decide, okay, I guess I will. God's called you to do it. So today, today, just go ahead and get that pad out. Get that computer in front of you and just go ahead and just get something going and work on it a little bit every day. And you'll get excited because here's what will happen. You'll start remembering what it was like before Jesus and you'll start, you'll start remembering uh, how he's changed your life and you'll start crying because you haven't thought about those things in so long. You'll get blessed remembering all the good stuff God's done for you. So you'll get blessed and then you'll get excited about telling it and then God will open doors for you to tell it. And then stories will start coming in. Pastor, I told a girl at work. I told a guy at school. I told somebody who's been coming to our church. I told somebody in the foyer in the parking lot. I told somebody over coffee. I told somebody in my family at Thanksgiving. I, see, Thanksgiving's coming. Christmas is coming. You're going to run into some family members, and you need to be ready with your story. I don't know if you'll get to tell it. I don't know if that door will open, but you've got to be ready. And the people said, can we all stand together? Would you just bow your head? Can I just ask you a real quick question? Where are you going to spend eternity? I mean, if eternity started today for you, where would you spend it? If you don't know Jesus, just say to him right now, Lord Jesus, I know you want to change my life. I know you want to give me a story. I've been running from you, sir. I've been making excuses, but not today. I want you, Jesus, in my life. I give you my life, Jesus. Wash away my sins. You died on the cross in my place. You paid for my sin. You rose from the dead to sign the contract and to give me life. So, Lord Jesus, today, I stop my running, I stop my foolish excuses, and I ask you, Jesus, come into my life. Save me today in Jesus' name.